Living Stones is our discipleship pathway we use to bring people to faith, grow people in the faith and their life, and how we raise up new leaders. 1 Peter 2.5 You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're exploring the second zone of discipleship, the courtyard, where a person learns to live reconciled with God. There are three steps in this area, sacraments, spiritual disciplines, and stewardship. Even though these three are God and me focused, they still affect my relationships with others. Let's look at the first step, sacraments, which is illustrated by the tribe of Levi. I want to ask you a question. Why do you brush your teeth in the morning? There are many answers. Obedience. My parents taught me to and my dentist tells me to. Personal comfort. My mouth tastes bad in the morning. I don't want to have cavities. My wife won't kiss me if I have bad breath. Whatever the reasons, the one act I do in the morning has ramifications for the rest of my day and maybe my life. This is also why the sacraments are important. We often think of them as one-off acts. I had my first Holy Communion. I was baptized. If one embraces more sacraments, a person might say, I got married or I got ordained. I went to confession. What I want us to see today is that these one-off or periodic actions that we call sacraments are designed to affect me beyond the moment of participation. Just like brushing my teeth affects me beyond the two minutes in the bathroom. The brothers, Simeon and Levi, share a blessing in Genesis 49, 5-7. Simeon was our illustration of faith, and now we're going to look at this blessing again as fulfilled by Levi. Genesis 49, 5-7. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their knives are vicious weapons. May I never enter their council. May I never join their assembly. For in their anger they kill men, And on a whim, they hamstring oxen. Their anger is cursed, for it is strong, and their fury, for it is cruel. I will disperse them throughout Jacob and scatter them throughout Israel. To understand this blessing, as with Simeon, we have to begin with the story of the rape of Dinah, their sister. Genesis 34 tells the story of Dinah being raped by Prince Shechem of the city of Shechem. Shechem, being the prince of the city, is immune from prosecution. So in retaliation, Simeon and Levi, her brothers, kill all the men of the city. But how were just two men, and probably their servants, able to murder and pillage a whole city? They broke covenants. Jacob's family are semi-nomadic shepherds. In Genesis 34, they've made their camp near the city of Shechem. It's good to be near a city for trade, water, and protection. Their family had used this location since the time of Abraham. According to Genesis 12, um, 6 and 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham at the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. God promised him the land, and Abraham built an altar there. So their family was known and apparently had a good reputation with the people of Shechem. Now, four generations later, they are at Shechem again. Prince Shechem sees Dinah, wants her, and takes her by force. This most honored man does something very dishonorable by raping a woman. However, in Shechem's mind, he really does love Dinah. Um, Prince Shechem wants to marry her. 
That does not excuse his attack of her. But by taking her as a wife, he's following the customs of the times. This is how he will make things right with Jacob's family, the covenant of marriage. King Hamor and Prince Shechem come to Jacob the next day. They confess the wrongdoing and offer full compensation and more. The king offers a covenant to become one people with Jacob through the marriage. He also offers to pay whatever bride price they set. Simeon and Levi pretend the offer is reasonable, but they have a deception in mind. They say, we can't marry with a people that are not in God's covenant, which is true. They propose bringing the people of Shechem into God's covenant. If the people of Shechem will serve our God and enter a covenant with God by circumcision, then we will not only give Dinah to be married to the prince, but we'll all take wives or give our daughters as husbands from the people of Shechem. There'll be one God, one people, one family, with the sign of the covenant of male circumcision, the sign that was given to Abraham by God. If King Hamor and Prince Shechem don't like this counteroffer, they will take their sister back and leave, which would bring shame on the prince. But Hamor and Shechem like the counteroffer and bring it to the leaders of the city with this argument. There's plenty of room for Jacob's family. It will be good for trade to have Jacob's family around. And by joining with them, Jacob's wealth will be added to the wealth of the city. All the leaders of Shechem agree. So every male in the city gets circumcised. And in three days later, all the males in Shechem are naturally very sore. That's when Simeon and Levi sneak attack the city. They take back their sister. They kill Prince Shechem. They kill every man in the city. They loot the city, taking animals, flocks, and work animals. Whatever animals they don't keep, they cripple. They take all the crops. They take all the money they can find. And then they take the women and children. Jacob sees the aftermath and says, this is trouble. Everyone around us will know that we broke a covenant to murder and pillage and revenge. This would be like if I invited someone who hurt my family to be a member of this church. And I said, in order to be a member of this church, you have to be baptized. Because like circumcision for Israel, baptism is our sign of the covenant. Or one of them. Then I use baptism as an opportunity to drown that person. Through Simeon, we saw the salvation of the individual as he was redeemed by Benjamin, forgiven by Joseph, and protected by Judah. Through Levi, we see the transformation of actions from secular to sacred. As Levi goes from being a covenant-breaking murderer to being a covenant-making reconciler. Jacob's blessing of Levi is a rebuke, reminding him of the evil he had done in the past and its ramifications. Moses gives a blessing to Levi in Deuteronomy 33, 8-11, and listen to how different it is. He said about Levi, Your Thurim and Urim belong to your faithful one. You tested him at Massa, and you contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said about his father and his mother, I do not regard them. He disregarded his brothers and didn't acknowledge his sons, for they kept your word and maintained your covenant. They will teach your ordinances to Jacob and your instruction to Israel. They will set incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. 
The Lord bless his possessions and accept the work of his hands. Break the back of his adversaries and enemies so that they cannot rise again. Jacob's blessing is that he will not listen to the counsel of Simeon and Levi, that they are cursed because of their actions done in anger, and they will be scattered. Moses' blessing of Levi is that they hold the sacred things of God, that they will keep their covenants even if the rest of their family does not, and they will teach others the instruction of the Lord. Levi is blessed, and he lets the Lord take care of his enemies. These two blessings given to the same people sound so different. It reminds me of something that I was taught in a parenting class. If my child is acting in a way that needs correction, I could say, you are so stubborn, or you have a lot of determination. I could say, you are nosy, or you are inquisitive. I could say, you are bossy, or you like to lead. One phrase is a negative label, while the other is an attribute that needs proper direction. I want us to view the sacraments not as one-time acts, but as means of God giving my life direction, living a sacramental life. Let's look at three ways God took an attribute of the Levites and made it sacramental. First, the Levites use bloody hands. A person with bloody hands probably conjures up a mental image of a murderer or someone who just beat someone badly. But a person with bloody hands could also be a surgeon, a nurse, or an EMT. A person with bloody hands could have just stabbed someone or stitched up someone, taken a life or saved a life. Levi is a tribe who's gone from being a life taker to a life saver. Numbers 3, 1 through 13, describes the Levites as the tribe of priests. These are the family records of Aaron and Moses at the time the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. These are the names of Aaron's sons, Nadab the firstborn and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. These are the names of Aaron's sons, the anointed priests who were also, who were ordained to serve as priests. But Nadab, Nadab and Abihu died in the Lord's presence, and they, when they presented unauthorized fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no sons. So Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests under the directions of Aaron their father. The Lord spoke to Moses, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them to the priest to assist him. They are to perform duties for him and the entire community before the tent of meeting by attending to the service of the tabernacle. They are to take care of all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and perform duties for the Levites according to the service of the tabernacle or excuse me, perform duty for the Israelites according to the service of the tabernacle. Assign the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They have been assigned exclusively to him for the Israelites. You are to appoint Aaron and his sons to carry out their priestly responsibilities. But any unauthorized person who comes near the sanctuary is to be put to death. The Lord spoke to Moses, See, I have taken the Levites from the Israelites in place of every firstborn Israelite from the womb. The Levites belong to me because every firstborn belongs to me. At the time I struck down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated every firstborn in Israel to myself, both man and animal. They are mine. I am the Lord. Moses is from the Levite tribe. 
He receives the covenant law from God, and in that covenant, Aaron, Moses' brother, and his sons are designated as the priests. Aaron's particular branch of the Levites will always be the priests. However, all the Levites are dedicated to God. Because the Lord saved the firstborn of Israel when the final plague came on Egypt, God states that all the firstborns belong to him. Instead of constantly taking firstborns from every tribe to serve God, God takes the whole tribe of Levi as his portion and allows every other firstborn to be redeemed back to their family tribe. Even though chosen by God, the priests have to be careful when serving God because two of Aaron's sons were killed by God when they brought the wrong type of fire before the Lord. Anyone who was not a Levite wouldn't even have gotten that far. Only the Levite priests were to perform the tabernacle duties and priestly responsibilities. And a daily responsibility would be making sacrifices. The tabernacle, and later the temple, had a water basin for cleansing because priests are regularly working with blood, the cleansing agent for sin. Levi dealt in blood by helping to murder the men of a city, breaking a covenant. Now in the time of Moses, the Levites are called to deal in blood to bring forgiveness and atonement for sins of the people, constantly renewing the covenant between God and his people. Levi, whose knives are vicious weapons, now uses knives of the tabernacle to make sacrifices on, on behalf of the people. The family that once brought death to a people now brings life to a people by the work of their bloody hands. We all recognize we need blood to live, but we don't want to see our blood. If I can see my blood, that may mean my life is leaving my body. The Bible affirms this symbolism and reality that blood is life. As Christians, we find a new relationship with blood. I become less concerned about my own blood keeping me alive because I gain access to the blood of Jesus. We talk about Jesus' blood being poured out for us and on us, covering us, being washed clean in blood, drinking Jesus' blood. Of course, we do not literally do these things. Christians don't drink blood or have blood baptisms. But Jesus' blood was literally poured out as a sacrifice for me and for the disobedience of all humanity. Part of the participation in the sacraments, baptism in the Lord's table, is recognizing and receiving the spiritual cleansing that comes through the blood of Jesus and dying and being raised with him. Blood on my hands would mean my guilt. Blood on me means my forgiveness. My goal is not just to bring someone to First Communion, although First Communion is important. Our goal should not be to only regularly participate in the Lord's table, although that's also important. John Wesley said it's the duty of every Christian to receive the Lord's table as often as he can. And then he adds, every Christian should do this as often as he can because the benefits of doing it are so great to all that do it. The forgiveness of our past sins and the present strengthening and refreshing of our souls in this world, we are never free from temptations. And too often they prevail over us. But the grace of God given through the Lord's table herein confirms us to us the pardon of our sins by enabling us to leave them, end quote.
The goal is this for for us to use these moments like partaking of the Lord's table, this covenant meal, to springboard into living as a person forgiven by the power of Jesus' blood every day. This is living the sacrament. This is not generally how our culture works. Just as people make a big deal for a wedding and sometimes do far less work in preparing to live as a married couple, we sometimes make a bigger deal of First Holy Communion and Baptism than living as a disciple of Jesus. Our next point gives us a practical means of living sacramentally. Levite uses strong bodies. We saw in the previous passage that although all Levites belonged to the Lord, not every Levite was a priest. Numbers 1, 47-53 describes some of the other duties of Levites. But the Levites were not registered with them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord had told Moses, Do not register or take a census of the tribe of Levi with the other Israelites. Appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, all its furnishings and everything in it. They are to transport the tabernacle and all its articles, take care of it, and camp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. And whenever it is to stop at a campsite, the Levites are to set it up. Any unauthorized person who comes near it is to be put to death. The Israelites are to camp by their military divisions, each man with his encampment and under his banner. The Levites are to camp around the tabernacle of the testimony and watch over it, so that no wrath will fall on the Israelite community. While the priest Levites took care of the spiritual operation of the tabernacle, the rest of the Levites took care of the physical operation of the tabernacle. We don't always have these clear divisions in a small church where, and where we believe in the priesthood of all believers. But this Levitical distribution of duties would be like a church having pastors, deacons, and trustees. As a pastor, I preside over over or officiate the sacraments. I lead the Lord's table, I baptize, I officiate a wedding or a funeral. A deacon might prepare the bread and juice or wine, fill the baptismal or schedule time for us to go to the lake, and administer, administrate the money that might come in because of a wedding or a funeral. The trustee makes sure that the faculty and the things in it and around it are working and in good condition that the baptismal doesn't have a leak, that the landscaping doesn't look terrible before a wedding. Excuse me. All the jobs are important. Um, they're all done in God's service, but some are physical. Most Levites would take care of the tabernacle articles and the furniture, including the Ark of the Covenant, while only a few were actually priests. Anyone else who touched these sanctified objects were to be put to death. Uzziah touched the Ark of the Covenant and died. When it was time for the people to move, the Levites packed up everything, including the tabernacle tent, and carried it to the next place, where they alone would set it up again. The Israelite camp was set up in a strategic military formation with three tribes on each side. Twelve tribes on the outside, because Joseph gets two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. At the center of the camp is the tabernacle, and the Levites camp around the tabernacle to guard it, and also guard the people. Levi had used his strength to kill and capture people, 
Now in the time of Moses, the Levites are using their strength to serve God and serve people. Just like the Levites, we who are disciples are set apart for the Lord's service. This is what the Bible calls sanctification. And it's not only being chosen for special service, but also being given the ability to do the service. Ability not only includes skills and strength, but also purity and holiness. Just as the Levite had to be purified to serve the Lord, so also Jesus purifies us for his service. When I go to the monastery, I don't always have the same work. Sometimes I'm there to give the homily at evening prayer. Other times I'm asked to read the scripture. Sometimes I'm just there to pray along with everyone else. During Taze prayer, I choose to be part of the cleanup crew after prayer. I use what strength I have to serve depending on the need and the time. The same thing happens when I serve at my own church. I do look forward to the day when we are large enough and younger enough that I can focus more of my time doing the pastor stuff, training people to minister instead of being the minister. But for now, when I have the strength, talent, and time, and there is a need, maybe I fix the toilet or pull some weeds. Members of this congregation make more phone calls than I do to care for people. I'm not the only person that does the technology stuff for this church. Other leaders handle the finances or decorations. Worship is an effort. We might not all do the exact same service, but God's disciples serve God and minister to the people. This is living the sacraments. This participation helps make us one family. It's enjoyable when we have the decorations up in the church for Christmas, but it's a family experience when we all decorate together that Sunday before Advent. Levites used bloody hands to remember the covenant and strong bodies to serve the people of God. Finally, Levites use compelling speech. It was Simeon and Levi that convinced Jacob to have the men of Shechem be circumcised. Their words were compelling to Jacob. But after they murdered the city, Jacob says in their blessing, I will never listen to your counsel again. But God gives the Levites another opportunity to use their compelling words for something good in his service. Numbers 35, 1-3, and 6-7. through seven. The Lord again spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Command the Israelites to give cities out of their hereditary property for the Levites to live in and pasture land around the cities. The cities will be for them to live in and their pasture lands for their herds, flocks, and other animals. Verse 6. The cities you give the Levites will include six cities of refuge, which you will provide so that the one who kills someone may flee there. In addition to these, give 42 other cities. The total number of the cities you give the Levites will be 48, along with their pasture lands. Simeon's fulfillment of being scattered was being taken away with the northern tribes into captivity because they left the security of the land of Judah. Levi's fulfillment of being scattered is done by God as a blessing to everyone. Instead of the tribe of Levi getting a geographical parcel of land like the other tribes, a place where they would just surround the tabernacle, the Levites are giving sit, given cities. According to Numbers 35, Levi got 48 cities spread out all over the nation. 
Even though not every Levite was a priest, and different Levites had different jobs of service, every Levite was supposed to teach the law of the Lord. This is similar to the New Testament church, where they had elders and deacons with different duties, but both had to be able to teach as a qualification. The Levite cities being spread out over the nation meant that everyone had reasonable geographical access to the teaching and justice of God. First Chronicles 15.17 lists Asaph as one of the Levites during the time of King David. Psalm 78 is attributed to Asaph. And listen to the first four verses of that psalm. My people hear my instruction. Listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Things we have heard and known that our fathers have passed down to us. We will not hide them from our children, but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his might, and the wondrous works he has performed. The work of every Levite was to remind people what God had done and what God will do for them if they obey and have faith in him, if they keep the covenant. This is one of several reasons we've made Discovery Bible Study a core component of our discipleship pathway. Levites didn't only teach Israelites. There were always foreigners living in the land. We're not all called to be preachers, but our homes are scattered around, for our church, the Northeast Twin Cities. Think about where you live. Our homes are the Levite cities in our neighborhoods or apartment buildings. God doesn't want me to wait to bring someone to church worship in order for me to tell them about Jesus. When I was a youth pastor, there was one particular family home that I and a lot of the teens often hung out at. One day the dad took me aside and said, You want to guess what our grocery bill was last month? $1,200. I said, What? I mean, that was more money than I made in a month. The dad said, It's from having all these kids over at our house. But I don't care. I'd rather have them here than who knows where. They had made their home a city of refuge. Teaching people about God from my home is living the sacraments. John Wesley called the sacraments a means of grace. It's God's grace to us to be empowered to share God's grace with others. The calling is not to merely take part in communion, but to live in communion with the Lord. Not to only declare I am a disciple of Jesus publicly through baptism, but to live as a disciple. Levi's blessing is a rebuke, being told he will be scattered throughout Israel. Levi became the priestly tribe with its members dispersed around the nation. Jesus, our high priest, invites us to participate in the sacramental life. A disciple obtains a red tiger eye stone upon living the sacraments. Our prayer today is taken from Psalm 23. Lord, may we live every day in the communion with you as expressed in this psalm. Not just in the moment of eating at your table, not just in the moment of being cleansed by waters, but as long as we live. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Leave you with this blessing. Go forth to live as disciples, serving God with your whole being, knowing that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great exploits in God's name.